You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. Damon Frank here, joined by my co-host, the always lovely and talented Christina Dennis. How you doing, Christina? I am doing great, Damon Frank. How are you? I am doing fabulous. We are back from Memorial Day. It is June yes. 1st, 2022. Can you believe this? I really can't. I really can't. You know, almost I almost halfway through. Totally. And and it, and in some ways it feels like we've been living the same day over and over again, but also I'm seeing a lot of changes. And for people who don't know, we live in Southern California and there is a thing called June gloom, which is very interesting. The sky will look gray, but the temperature will be right. And sure enough, Wednesday, June 1st, June gloom is here. It is June gloom. Hey, listen, um, it June gloom started in for me here in, I would say, April. We were like that. <laughs> but, you know, you, for people that don't know, Christina Dennis lives in the fabulous part of Los Angeles, which is Orange County, where right. everything is nice and pleasant all the time. Matter of fact, there isn't even any alcoholics in Orange County, <laughs> well, which is what a lot of people uh -uh. don't know, right? <laughs> I, I, I beg to differ. There's at least one here. And uh, I know lots of uh, lots of it. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in Orange County, you know, just like the rest of the world. But yes, it is a beautiful but place. You do have, but you do have, Christina, you have that coastal thing coming in, which makes it, I think, easier to think if you're if you're working on the 12 steps or you're mm -hmm. working on your recovery. It is a little cooler and you're able to kind of chill in Orange County. <laughs> pretty nice. Pretty nice, I have to say. Well, before we jump into the episode here, which is going to be a great one, so hold tight, it's a guys. Good one. We it is a good one, right? And a lot mm -hmm. of people we're going to be talking about relapse. We're going to dive into this, but before we do, I want to mention Recovered Life Community. Uh, mm. That is a group of all of us people just like you that are listening right now that want to live their best recovered life. And you can join us, get access to exclusive content, interact with really a global community at this point, Christina, of people that are in recovery, looking to live their best recovered life and get free coaching and tips from Christina Dennis and myself. All you have to do is go to recoveredlife.us. Check it out at recoveredlife.us. Christina. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, we want to see you there. So make sure you join and follow me, follow Damon, and just let yourself be seen. This is not something you want to miss. You know, it wasn't around when Damon and I got sober, but it has become an I mean, important part of my recovery program. Absolutely. And you know, the great thing about it is when you become a member, you get access immediately to our free volley group and you end up getting access to people right there. So guys, definitely make that happen at recoveredlife.us. So Christina, a uh, big topic today, relapse warning signs. You know, we're just mm. coming off of the big weekend. Uh, there's a lot of people that do relapse in Memorial yes. Day, right? They do. And we're, you know, we had a Memorial Day show that was just focused on you know, how to get sober, get and stay sober during Memorial Day weekend. So let's dive into the relapse warning signs. As coaches, we see these a lot and we wanted to go over them today because you might be at risk. 
it's you. I think every one of us is at risk. I mean, people relapse a lot and often, and it doesn't have to be part of your story. But if we don't talk about it, then it's always kind of hiding there. So I love that we're tackling this topic and we're going to go after it with everything that we can. As a coach, I can see the people that are risk in risk, risky behaviors, right? They're in those yellow light behaviors, caution, caution, caution. And for me, it always starts with somebody being too busy. They stop prioritizing their mental health. They stop prioritizing their recovery. And all of a sudden, I've got to be at my kid's game. And I have to be, you know, I can't go to that meeting or make that contact because work is so busy. And I remember hearing this when I first got sober, uh, you know, that if you once you start, and I remember this man totally saying this, once you say, I got to get a life, you're, you're, you're risk, risking it, right? Have you heard that before? Don't go get a life. Yes. Yes. So I'm glad that you said that. You know, I always say you're the smartest person in the room and you know how to itemize these things, which is <laughs> really know. good by topic because I can get a little all over the place. But yes, this is so good because I've noticed through with working with people that one of the big things, you know, and and I think we're going to just admit, Christina, right up front, shocking truth we we know these because we've done versions of these ourselves yes. right yes. you're yes. absolutely right though about this whole thing with the getting a life now i do believe sobriety changes and maybe you're somebody who went to 3 12 step meetings a day you went to five therapy appointments you had a sober coach you had a service commitment maybe at some point in your recovery you do want to dial back some of those and rechange of up the program of but course. This whole, it's what we're talking about is a concept of, hey, listen, I can't really be bothered by that because my life's too big to participate in recovery. Well, and it's important to say that because I know we have a lot of codependents that watch the show, a lot of family that wants to be involved in the recovery process. And it it always makes me want to cringe when there is a partner who is resentful at the amount of time somebody has to spend in their recovery, especially in their early recovery. Listen, we get lives, we get gifts, we get the promises. If you're familiar with 12-step literature, it starts to happen. We get beautiful opportunities as we string sober days together, but that doesn't mean that we can stop. So to speak to your statement about how some of us do have to dial it back, I want to say something that's kind of shocking. Go it's- ahead, do it. I for it. <laughs> Sometimes I work with families in which the identified patient actually ends up hiding in rooms and avoiding responsibility. Yes. Is that fair to say? No, absolutely. You know what? And there's a lot of people that hide in 12 step groups. There's a ton of people that just hide there. They come in, they're like, they're doing time. Like it's a prison sentence, right? (laughs) Or they're going to therapy. You know, I had a friend who told me that they went to therapy and didn't say a word for six months. Wow. Right. And their parents were paying for it and they were younger. Their parents were paying for it. They didn't say a word for six months. They said, Hello, how are you? to the therapist. <laughs> and that was about as much as they got out. Right. So, so there are good. people who will do the time but won't do the healing. 
Yes. And, and, you know, um, there's a lot of rituals around going to meetings. And so, you know, for that partner who's like, well, my partner is gone five hours a night, every single night, I hear you. And I agree. But when one of the first steps that happens to us is when we get way too busy and we stop putting our sobriety or our recovery first. And oh, it's huge. the beginning, right? It's the beginning because st- lots of good stuff comes our way. Okay. So I got to say number two, Christina, because we were mm-hmm. talking about this before we we uh, went live here. Um, another big thing, another big thing are resentments. Yes. And I will tell you, I've done this too. I have quit large groups of people. Because Mm -hmm. I had a resentment that was pretty stupid looking back at it now. I remember one when I got sober in San Francisco. I I don't even remember what the resentment was. I literally just made it up because I didn't want to go there anymore. I just made it up. And I I remember telling my sponsor at the time, it's like, I can't go back there because of this and this and this. And they're like, these people don't even go to that meeting anymore. Like, what's your problem? Oh, such a good point. And I, you know we don't ever want to admit that maybe we're making up a reason, but if, if every meeting you go to has sucky people in it, if every time you reach out, the person didn't call you back, maybe the problem is actually with you, which isn't fun to hear. There are lots of options. And I encourage people when I coach them that if that group doesn't speak to them, that's okay because there are lots of places. People on the Recovered Life community can can join together. You can get our coaching on the program. You can continue to be connected every day. And I remember being told, and I agree with this, if you were willing to drink every day, which I was, then you have to exert the same amount of energy to recovering every day. So if that meeting doesn't work for you, you got to try another one. You've you got know, to. and I think it's less. Okay. So here's the thing. I think because we have people that listen that aren't in 12 step groups at all, they have groups of people that they're sober with, right. Or they have a support group or they have a family group or a church group or something else. Right. There's right. different ways that people, different recovery paths that people choose. Um, you know, here's the thing. I think it's less about the resentment is a killer. I, I'm going to, mm-hmm. we already know it is, but really what it's about at the end of the day, when we dial this back, it's about starting to disconnect with people who know you. I would yes. even define it even more, right? Because this is what I see in coaching is like, you're, they're going, they're going, they're going, they build a life. Then they, the, the first resentment that comes in is, is like, well, I have this life. Now I've got this recovery thing. Right. I totally resent the recovery thing. Like, I'm glad I'm sober and I have a life, but uh, this, and then it's about the disconnecting with people that you had deep connections with. Do you find that a lot? Absolutely. And, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know, if this isn't your thing, I understand, but you have to have one person, two people that know you and know what's going on in your life. And when I start to not want to go back to a place, You know, it's generally because I don't want to look at my stuff. And that person is reflecting back to me that I have stuff to look at. Yeah, absolutely. What what do you think another warning sign is, Christina? Oh, okay. 
there is an intense amount of delusionment in this disease. And uh, I know I'm laughing and it's a very serious matter. So I, I hope people understand that how important it is that you stay sober and your loved ones stay sober. But we can start telling ourselves a little story about maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe, you know, especially if we have family members that aren't dialed into a recovery program and maybe just don't want to believe that this is a lifelong struggle. And they start thinking and rewriting history, you know, and I knew this for myself. I remember very clearly my first year being told to write out a relapse prevention program. And I really thought about it and I knew exactly how I would start lying to people around me and therefore lying to myself. I'm glad you brought this up because this is huge. This is making up the story, right? Mm -hmm. About what they think is going on, right? And the one of the first things that alcoholic alcoholism does, one of the first things about the alcoholic disease is it tells you you're not an alcoholic, so true. right? And so the thing is, it's so funny. Um, what is so apparent to other people and, and people are listening to this, Christian, I know they're listening to this and they're going like my son, John or whatever, or Sally, they've got to know that they're an alcoholic because of this and this and this, not necessarily right. Like the nope. disease itself will tell you alcohol is not the problem. It's the family member. It's the coworker. It's the job. It's the significant yep. other. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. Alcoholism will tell you it's anything but alcohol and same with drugs and same with codependency, by the way, it totally. will tell you that it can't be, you're helping people, Damon, you're helping right. people. Right. Yeah. And that happens all the time. You know, I work with a lot of codependents and when they say statements like I went to one of those meetings and I'm not like those people. I recognize, oh, no, they saw a little too much of themselves in that other person and decided, no way, I'm not going to be part of this. I sat in front of my two closest friends and read to them my relapse program because that was part of, of the exercise. And I remember their faces when I told them, this is how I'm going to try to set it up to, to rewrite history and tell you it wasn't as bad. And so when I do that, I hope you will remember to tell me, yes, it was. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know what? It's interesting because I, I always said I should write a book, stupid things I did in recovery. <laughs> right? And then the little on the bottom in the fine print, it's like, but somehow I'm still sober. Yes. Right? Because the one thing that I did believe that I got really good, the illusion was smashed for me. Yes. I have not been able to thoroughly convince myself that I wasn't an alcoholic. Good. This is a, this is a really good thing. Now I've, I've gone down that path like everybody has. Well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe it was because I was in my 20s. Right. Maybe, you know, throwing up blood was just uh, because I had spaghetti. Like, you know, I, I did that at all when I was when I was out there doing my thing. Right. But, you know, one of the things I think the thing is, is you got to spend a lot of time. And this is where coaching helps, I think, is you really got to walk through the am I an alcoholic or am I not an alcoholic early on? I think that so many people, Christina, just go, well, I had it. I obviously I had a problem and I'm obviously I'm an alcoholic. No, there are there are things that make people alcoholics versus problem drinkers. And I think 
one of the things is, is that if you spend a thorough amount of time and really write it down and work with somebody else to really define whether you truly believe that you're an alcoholic or not, right. I think that investment early on is huge. It is huge. But before we continue, because I want to continue that, I want to mention that uh, Damon and I have an amazing six-week transformational program. And if you feel stuck in your recovery, or you're having trouble staying sober, or you just want to make it, you know, take that next step, take it to a new level, the recovery breakthrough program might be right for you. Now, if you are at that place, you can find out more information about it. Find out how you could start working with Damon and I today at recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. Thanks so much, Christina, for mentioning that. Uh, you know, moving back to these relapse warning signs, <laughs> I, yes. you know, I was I was thinking about this a little bit. I was thinking, what are some other warning signs that I see? or I have participated in, and you had a couple others that I thought one, a couple I didn't even think about. Okay. Tell me. And so, no, well, you tell me. Because <laughs> you, made, you, made the, you made the list there. Um, one of them, no, here, here's one of the, here's one of them that, that, that I see. We talked about the disconnection of people, right? Yes. We talked about the, we talked about the, uh, the uh the whole idea that you're starting to disconnect and you're starting to move away from your recovery program right. here's one thing that i see is dangerous activity okay here's it's what i call like walking that line right mm -hmm. on the cliff it's like they still they maybe don't have a reason to go to a bar or they don't have a reason to just hang out with those people that they did a couple years ago that always drank and don't understand that why somebody would get sober, right? And they yes. start doing dangerous borderline yes. things, activities yes. that that move them closer to people drinking and the possibility that they could drink. And this is such an old-fashioned statement, but it's really still applies. You you're only going to be able to go to the barbershop so many times before you get a haircut. And so, yes, you can look at the thinking. Yes, you can look at, you know, am I an alcoholic? Am I not an alcoholic? But there are times where we might forget that and we need to be in the right places. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Once we start, you know, we're talking about disconnection with certain group and starting to reconnect with our using partners. And hey, I'm just going to see how that person is doing. Oh, I need to, if you're in a 12-step group, I need to make an amends. So I'm going to meet them at that bar around the corner because that's where they're comfortable. You do that often enough at the wrong moment, you can throw away your sobriety. Yeah, I would I I call this whole thing pushing the limits, right? Yes. Of what you can handle. And I think for guys too, you see it a lot with guys, is they'll take risky behavior yes. in dating, right? They'll like one of the things that I see a lot as a coach is that people will they'll they'll take really risky moves. They'll hook up with that ex-girlfriend, right? Still, you know, addicted. They'll hang out with people, they'll go to places. Uh, they'll put themselves in situations where they're not honest with themselves about right. their limits, right? And right. this ultimately, I think when you combine all of these things together, when you throw that one in, that is the ticking time bomb where mm -hmm. at the right place at the right time, that 
that addiction just pops off. Right. And mm -hmm. that's when some people can't handle it. They have no barrier. Right. And, and, you know, of course, uh, all right. Damon and I both have long-term sobriety. I can promise you, if you are new in recovery and you do the work, you will have plenty of times where the alcohol will not call to you. You will have plenty of times where it will feel and you'll have that freedom of obsession. But you don't want to be in the wrong place when you don't, because that also happens. We talk about relapse a lot in the first year or two years. But I know people and who are 20 years sober that relapse. And so this idea that you don't have to take your medicine or take your recovery seriously is dangerous. And I'm not yeah. trying to be dramatic. It's truth. No, it is. And, you know, I think a lot of people say, hey, Christina, damn it, you guys have over 50 years of sobriety. You don't deal with this. This yep. is nothing that you deal with. No, I got to know my limits as well. You know what I mean? And I make a plan. You know, I'm not as overt about it as I used to be. I used mm -hmm. to read the plan, talk with the people I'm going with. And also, I don't really need to do that anymore on right. most cases, unless I'm really feeling like, you know, like I don't really want to be here or mm. there is definite danger. Like I, I, I've, I've shared this before. One of my good friends, uh, that is in recovery lives in Las Vegas and, wow. um, I've had to spend a lot of time in Las Vegas mm -hmm. and, you know, and the thing is for business stuff and, you know, and I will go to, uh, Las Vegas and I will go to conventions and things like that. Most of these things are centered around drinking. They really are. They're just sure. infused. Vegas is infused with that. Now, for me, this is the the what I'm going to mention here. The last little thing that I think with relapse warning signs is a is a rejection of a spiritual connection. And wow. for me, this is I think the whole basis of it all, right? Because if if for me, I look at it like a Wi-Fi, I need to be connected to a higher power. Um, I need to, at the beginning of every day, I need to acknowledge the fact that I am an alcoholic and that I'm asking for another day. And I'm thanking God for the day that I had before. People want to know, Damon, what's the superpower to long-term sobriety? I'm telling you right now, that's one of it for me. Is it because is. If I can't acknowledge in the morning where I actually am powerless and unmanageable and where I need help and where I'm grateful, I'm in trouble. And this is a warning sign where I start to see I don't have time to do a check-in with my higher power. I don't have time to meditate. I hear this all the time. And what happens is that Wi-Fi signal from your higher power that protects you, that is the brake pad in my, in my opinion, that's one of the yeah. big brake pads, starts to wear down. And when you need it the most, it's not there. So, so true. When we stop taking care of ourselves and our nervous system, we are taking down our defenses you know, exponentially. And let's just apply it to codependency as well. If you know that there's a group of people or you have, you know, kind of been doing these slippery slope types of behaviors where you're ignoring cravings uh, for sleep, you're ignoring your rest, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you start ignoring that, you're setting yourself up. And it is just as serious for a codependent to have a slip as it is for an alcoholic to have a slip. You know, it's it's the reason that spiritual connection that you're talking about is the true gift of physical sobriety and emotional sobriety.
Oh, you're so right. And I think, you know, that's the big, that's the final straw. I think when you're mm-hmm. telling Pixie, all right, all of these are little, you don't know what's going to bring it all down. Right. So for me, I think the the big thing, just like they say, you know, Damon, Christina, what is the one thing that I can do to make sure that I'm not suffering from these relapse warning signs? Right. right. Well, I think, I think the big thing would be the big takeaway here at the end of this episode would be to be honest with yourself that this is happening because other people that are around you might notice, Hey, you know what? You're not going to meetings anymore. Hey, you know what? You're not connecting with those people anymore. Right. And a lot of times we're just not honest with ourselves. Right. Right. And it happens. The relapse really begins several, I would say months before you ever take that first drink again. And so you just never know when today might be the day that you needed that extra connection. So go and do it on a daily basis. I used to drink every day. I now recover and I connect every day. And, you know, in closing, I think a lot of people say, man, this is just overwhelming. You know, I hear this all the time. How in the hell am I going to have time for life if Mm -hmm. I have to be aware of all of these other things? Well, here's the great thing about recovery and the bad thing. You're awake, aware and alive 24 seven. The bad thing is you're awake, aware and alive 24 (laughs) seven. We really sometimes want to check out. Right. But it's not a lot of work. And what I've found is that if I'm willing to do these very basic, simple things to keep me from relapsing, right, then I'm able to have a way bigger life than if I did not do them at all. So true. So true. So I hope everybody enjoyed this show. And I want you to know that recovery is possible without relapse. It does not have to be part of your story. Absolutely. Relapse is not a part of recovery unless you make it a part of recovery. But I do want to say this out there because we have a lot of people, Christina, that listen to this show, right? That Mm -hmm. have relapsed and they're beating themselves up. Look, we only have today. We only have the here and now. So if that's you, stop beating yourself up. Start planting the seeds for your long-term sobriety today. It doesn't matter how many times you relapsed. It matters what you do in the here and now, right in today. Oh, so good. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Well, Christina, this has been an amazing episode. We'd like to wish everybody a phenomenal week. You're going to see us back here in a couple of days. Uh, Just to mention here, if you're not a part of the Recovered Life community, jump in there now. What are you waiting for? Just go to recoveredlife.us. You can become a member in less than a minute, and you're going to get a VIP invitation from Christine and I to join our volley group where you can talk and interact with us and the community. So we hope to see you there. Go to recoveredlife.us. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.